This morning, I, I have a message, and I'm going to try not to keep us too long. Last Sunday, Sunday morning, I didn't know if I was going to minister or if Alex was going to minister, but I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So I woke up this, that, that morning at 3 o'clock in the morning to an audible voice of the Lord. Like I just knew it was the Lord because you know when you're in that sound sleep and all of a sudden you just hear that voice and your eyes open? That's what happened to me that day. And I, this is what I heard. And it didn't make no sense, but this is what the Lord says. He says, when I fill you, what do you see? And I was like, and I kind of woke up and he, I got my attention because I heard it, you know, and I, I felt it. And immediately when I, when I heard the word, my body just became super hot. Like, like I felt like just fire come upon me. I threw the blankets off and, said, and I told my wife, I said, man, it's so hot in here. You know? And I begin, and I just begin to start to write. At 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm sitting there, and I'm writing, and I'm writing on my phone and these notes. And all week, I was just pondering. and said, Lord, you know, give me more. When, I, when you fill us, what do we see? So this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about, a little bit about that. <clears throat> because, see, what we fill ourselves up with is what we'll, we will see. What we fill ourselves with is what we'll see. And I can remember as, as, as in my younger days, see, I, I grew up in church, and, and I, I, didn't, I didn't plan on sharing any of this, but for whatever reason, the Lord's steering me this direction. But I grew up in church. Like, I, I literally grew up in church. I was a part of the youth group. I, you know, I, I was in all those things. But I rebelled from God, and I turned away from God completely as a young teenager, and I said, you know what, I don't want nothing to do with God no more. Literally, I was disgusted about what, what Christianity, quote-unquote, whatever, believers, what it looked like, and I didn't want nothing to do with that. So in, in doing that, I rebelled, and I began to move in rebellion. And as I grew up in, as a teenager, what I began to fill myself with was was hate and anger, bitterness. Listen, I'm going to share some stuff. and But man, there was a real strong demonic assignment on my life at that time. There really was. I felt abandoned by my parents. My dad, you know, got divorced. None of this was true. But I felt abandoned by my dad because, you know, being seven years old and seeing your dad walk out, see, that's like a vivid memory for me, you know. And it, it was a vivid memory for me to see my father walk out because my mom and dad were getting a divorce when I was seven years old. So immediately I thought, hey, what did I do? You know, man, was I a bad kid? I mean, so, I, you know, everything was, I, I took it upon myself. So I began to fill myself with anger and rebellion, and, and I began to move out of that place. My life was filled with torment, with torment. Hmm. Holy Spirit. See, somebody in here right now, you've, you've been hearing voices. I just heard that. There's been a demonic voice that's been speaking to you, and you've been, there's a tormenting spirit. 
that's really been attacking you. See me after, after service because I'm going to pray with you because you're going to be set free from that. But I, 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 was, I was in bitterness. I was angry. And listen, when I say I hated my mom, I hated my mom. But it wasn't, it was nothing, it was, it, was the, it was the demonic assignment that was in my life that made me respond a certain way. See, that wasn't God. It wasn't, it wasn't the Lord. And I grew up, I got involved in, in gang affiliation, I got in organized crime stuff and drugs and, and we, you know, it was everything that comes with that lifestyle we were involved in, from whether it was, man, I don't know how transparent I can get with this, but it was, it was really bad, really, really bad. Thank you, Lord. Um, and I praise God for my wife, because I remember there was one time in particular, this is a story I'm not going to, there was one time in particular, you know, I was young, and somebody did something to me. And because the way that I thought in the past, if you did something to me, then I'm going to come right back and I'm going to get you for what you just did. And my ways of getting you was I was going to beat you till you were dead or I was going to shoot you till you were dead. That was just the mentality that, that we had back in those days. And somebody did something to me and I was, man, I was dead set. I said, this guy is, he's done. And I remember <laughs> I was going to go and Got the keys to my car. So that's it. I'm done. This guy's history. Then my wife, my girlfriend at the time, Alice. See, I praise God for Alice. I really do because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my wife. I really wouldn't. But there was a time when she came and I got in the car and she says, you're not going nowhere. I said, yeah, I am. This guy's dead. No, you're not. And she was yelling at me. So I came, and we're, I mean, we were young and dumb. I mean, oh, my God. But she goes, and I put the keys in the car. I had an old 1978 Dodge Colt. It was so, it was so funny. We used to laugh because I've always been a big guy. But it was a little bitty car. <laughs> it was a little bitty car. And I would, and I would. My friends would make fun of me. It was a little Dodge Colt, and, but boy, did I have some Dayton rims on that thing. I had some Dayton rims, and I had a sound system that cost more than the whole car. But I remember getting in the car, and it would be raining sometimes, and I had to turn on the wiper, so I was like, this wiper, the blinker, <laughs> changing gears. Yeah, it was that bad almost. And but you know what? That car, I lived in that car for a long time. See, I, I have a crazy testimony. But I remember I get in the car and I turn on the car. You're not going nowhere. Get out of the way. No, I'm not moving. I'm gonna run over. I'm gonna run you over. Go ahead. And I, I was, I just started driving. She jumps on the car. My Alice, Apostle Alice, she jumps on the car, 
full spread, hanging on to the windshield wiper, the middle, you know. And I'm driving down the street, and she's all, get off the court. So she didn't. I mean, we literally got down to the parking lot area, and finally I just stopped the car and said, all right. But, you know, she never gave up on me. She saw what I was destined to be, not what I was. And I say that because, see, the enemy, it has never been about the sin. It has never been about what you're into. It's never been about your situation. It's always been from the very beginning, even in the garden, it's been about your identity. It's been about who you are as a son and a daughter. Because, see, I agreed with the enemy. I agreed with the lie. I agreed with the abandonment. I agreed with, with the, 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 the hopelessness. Come on. I, began, I used to see the little minion, the demonic spirit, used to walk in my room. I would see the little midget dominion things walk in my room, and they would just walk by my bed. It was real. Look, the, how many of you believe in angels? How many believe in the supernatural things of God? We do. The Bible's full of it. You, listen, you can't pick and choose what you believe. If there's good, there's bad. If there's demonic, there's angelic. The Bible says that there's war in the heavenlies. He says there's war in the second heavens and the third heavens. Paul talks about it clearly. So that means there's a, there's a, there's a realm that we live in, the second heaven says that, that they ascended and uh, uh, descended, the angels did, but there was a war that was taking place. He says there was war. Mm. See, the devil, he was after my life, and he didn't want me to realize who I was as a son. And I agreed with the lie. And because I agreed with the lie, what I filled myself was, was with, with anger and hope deferred. And let me tell you what. I remember a, an encounter that I had one time. It was like this vision, dream. And I began to see mouse traps, which is really ironic because there's, a, there's been a lot of church mouses lately that we've been catching. Man, we had a twofer the other day. We got two for one on one little trap. That was awesome. We're catching them. But listen, I remember an encounter that I had where, where I saw these little traps being thrown around in front of me. I saw these little bitty small mouse traps, and I began to see this one big large rat trap. And immediately I'm like, Lord, what, is, what, what are you showing me this? And I said, it's obvious the big rat trap, what it was for. I said, but what's up with the little bitty small ones? And this is what the Lord told me. He says, that's the plan of the enemy this season. He says, those small little traps, it's called agreement. He says, you see, once the enemy comes and gets you to agree, let me give you an example. If I begin to agree with, you're no good. You're, you're a loser. My wife doesn't love me. My family's falling apart. Man, this is happening. I always have the worst luck. When I begin to agree with those things, what happens is I give it life. And as you give things life, what happens is 
The enemy now has a legal right to come and plunder you. The Scripture says that if two or more agree, what? He is in our midst. So guess what? If I agree on something negative and the enemy agrees, he's the counterfeit of all things good. He's the counterfeit. He always does a counterfeit what God does. So I began to ask the Lord. He said, so you give agreement to this little bitty trap. Then what happens is you begin to open. And this is the way the Lord showed it to me. Can you imagine you go, it's 4 o'clock in the morning at your house. You get up for a glass of water. And uh, you walk down to the kitchen. And as you get to the kitchen, you see your front door just wide open. And then you see your living room windows open. The f- it's flapping around. All the windows in the house are completely open. I know Hispanic family, like, well, where's my gun? Somebody's in my house. So, and the spirit, what happens is, when you begin to give agreement to those things, the devil then comes and he begins to open up the spiritual doors and the spiritual windows of your house. And then this is what he does. Hope deferred, come on in. Perversion, come on in. Lust, come on in. Pornography, come on in. All these different, these different attacks begin to come into your room because you gave agreement to something that was a lie. It was a lie. You see, it's all about identity. If the devil can get you to, to stop seeing yourself as a son and daughter, then he's got you one. See, listen, he doesn't care if you go to church. He says, go to church, lift up your hands and worship. But if you're not being effective for the kingdom, he's not worried about you. The church is filled with people who don't encounter God. Come on. Wow. Genesis 3, verse, yeah, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. It says this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Then the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of, your, in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be more like God, knowing good and evil. You see, what we begin to fill ourselves up with is what we see. So I asked that question this morning, what do you see? What do you see in your life? You see, the devil, he only needs a crack. Just a crevice. 
I don't know, but I've seen these little mouses go through a something. I don't know how they can fit in this little bitty crack. Like they don't have a skeletal system. They just see the the devil doesn't need to, just a crevice, just a crevice to plant a seed. And see, the seeds that the devil plants inside our lives, these these spiritual seeds. They grow up to be these horrible vines. Have you ever tried to remove vines off of a wall? They begin to spread. That's what happens. You know, I've been, I, was in the, I recently came out of a season of like the 111. For, for many years, I was like 111. I kept seeing the 111 everywhere. And very recently, as far as last Sunday, they just begin to pop up again, the number 111. And the Lord showed me this. He says, we are in the 111 season again. Like, we're in the 111 season. But it's not the 111 like you knew it in the past. He says, it's the Jeremiah 111. The Jeremiah 111. So this is what it says. I'm going to start at verse 9. Then the Lord put forth his hand, and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold. I have put my words in your mouth. Verse 10. See, I have see I have this day set you over the nations, over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down and to build and to plant. That's the season we're in right now. We're building and we're planting. We're building in your plant. Listen, in verse 9, that, word, that, that part which says, touched my mouth, it's a symbolic act of supernatural vision, implying that God would give you the utterance to withstand. Even in the times when you're not able to speak, heavenly understanding will come. Verse, um, verse 10 where it says, to set thee over, Literally, that means to be appointed, to oversee, to give sight. He says that he, was, he had his eye upon the nations. What we fill ourselves up with is what we will see. I'm going somewhere with this. Verse 11, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And he said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. And then I said, I see, and then I said, I see a boiling pot, and it's facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, out of the north, calamity shall break forth, and all the inhabitants of the land for behold, I am calling, listen, I am calling all the families of the kingdoms from the north, says the Lord, and they shall come, and each one will set their throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against the walls all around, against the city of Judea. You see, the almond tree in this, in this scripture, it speaks of the watchfulness 
It speaks about the divine favor. It speaks about the approval and the purity. Jesus. The almond tree literally means this. And this is pretty awesome. It means the waking tree. The wakeful tree. See, Peter didn't know what I was going to share about this morning. But, and I don't even think that song that he sang this morning was even on his little list. But he began to say, wake up, child. It's your time to shine. You were born for such a time as this. See, there's something about the almond tree. It's, it literally means it's the wakeful tree because it awakes from the sleep of the winter earlier than the other trees flowering in January. And bearing its fruit in March, it's a symbol of God's execution and God's purpose. Are you guys getting this? <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 16 and 19, it says this. Do not cease to give thanks for your making mention of you in my prayers that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Verse 18. And the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you would know the hope of His calling, what are the riches and the glory. The hope of His calling are the riches and the glory. Come on. Of His inheritance and the saints, and what is exceedingly greatness of His power toward those who believe according to the working of His mighty power. <coughs> that word understanding translates as this. <clears throat> Having your eyes of your heart enlightened. And when your eyes of your heart are enlightened, what happens is it's the first effect of your spirit becoming the new creation. Listen, I remember getting saved as a young teenage boy and giving my life to the Lord and serving the Lord. <clears throat> but really, I didn't have no understanding what that meant. It wasn't until my later, later years that I really had a revelation of who God was in my life and who God is through me and in me. But it says that when our eyes are opened, when, the, when our eyes are enlightened, what happens is we now have an understanding of the first effect of what we are as a new creation. It's the light. John 1, 4 says this, where the spiritual light is, there is life. Amen? <clears throat> Matthew, I'm gonna, this is Matthew 13, verse 16 and 17. Matthew 13. <clears throat> because when he fills us, what do we see? Verse 16 says, but blessed are those, no, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. 
For surely, I say to you, many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. <clears throat> One of the first things that happens in our lives as God begins to fill us is this. You see an awakening take place. That's what the almond tree was talking about. One of the first things that we see in our life is we see an awakening taking place. <clears throat> you see, the awakening is this. It's when we come to an understanding of who God is, who we are, what we've been given. That's the awakening. Because listen, you will never be able to function in the fullness of the kingdom of God unless you know who God is. That's the truth. Listen, I know I've done religion really well. I did it. I've seen it. I grew up in a church where it was, you know, you had a certain way you did it. Where God, you know, was, was, was some mean, angry God waiting for you to make a mistake. Waiting for you to, to, to be punished. Such a distorted view of who God is. Hmm. See, we have to know who we are as sons and daughters. How we align ourselves. So I'm going to ask you a question. How, how do we see an awakening happen in our own lives? How do we do that? I'm going to give you a scripture. It's going to come out of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. This is how we, this is how we see awakening take place in our own life. It says this. If my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. See, first what the Lord says here is this. Number one, we have to humble ourselves. What's the opposite of, hu of humble, of humility? It's pride. Come on, pride. And I don't know, you know, I can only speak for our culture, but in the Hispanic culture, <clears throat> pride is a big thing, especially for the men. You know, they've, they've, they've got to, they, they have to walk around like, you know, that's why you see a lot of these, even, 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 even people that are short sometimes in stature, they have that little man syndrome. They can be really small, four foot tall. but Because they carry themselves with a certain amount of pride because they feel that they have to pick, put on a defense mechanism to allow them to meet a certain stature. That's why it says the first thing you have to do to, to walk in an awakening state is to humble ourselves. Walk in humility. Man, that could be a hard thing to do. It can be. I'm telling you, it can be a hard thing to do. Yeah, that's a whole other message. 
Number two, the Lord says we have to pray. We've got to give it to God. We cannot expect godly results with ungodly character. It will not work. It won't. I don't care how many church services you go to. There's people that will be in church Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They'll be on their knees. They'll be praying. They're doing all this stuff. But they have no relationship with God. They do it purely out of a tradition, purely out of an obligation. But there's no relationship. He said that we would, we would pray. Number three, it says that we would seek his face. I remember when we first started our ministry, the Lord really breathed on it. Radio Air Jesus, we were, we, were, we were youth pastoring back then, and the Lord had us with a group of kids between the ages of 12 and 15 years old. But our whole entire ministry was based on face to the floor. Face to the floor. We could be live on the radio. We could be live on live streaming. And the power of God would fall and everybody would drop the mics and just poof, on the floor. Weeping and crying. And we would have hundreds of people watching people just laying on the floor. Because the presence of God was so thick and strong. Praying. Seeking His face. Number four. That we would turn from our wicked ways. Turn from our wicked ways. Well, let's bring that into 2019. What is wicked? What is wicked ways? What does that look like? And here it is. Anything that is contrary to what God says. That's it. Anything that is contrary. Then God says this. If you do those things, if you do those things, I will hear you from heaven. If you do those things, I will forgive you of your sins. And I will heal your land. Hmm. You see, restoration will come, and every spiritual inhabitant that was stolen from us in the past, God begins to return, return, return. Every promise, every word, every certain Listen, everything that the enemy has ever stolen from you and your family when you begin to align yourself up, when you begin to see what God has filled you with, you no longer function any other way. You only see what He sees. That's what you see. You see a result of the finished work. You see the result of what God did, what Jesus did when He was on the cross. That's what you see. Nothing else. And you begin to live from the overflow. Isn't it crazy how you can ask sometimes Christians and believers, and I've been guilty of this in the past too. Hey, brother, how are you doing? Man, I'll tell you what, there's been some warfare. This is happening and this is happening. And, but praise God, you know, I'm getting through it. Like, Where's the victory? Do we 
not know that we're sons and, and daughters of the Most High? Do you not believe what you say? Do you not believe what's in the Word? It says that when we see how God sees, what happens is we begin to live in the overflow of the abundance of who He is. And everything that proceeds out of our mouth is victory. Everything that comes out of our mouth will come from the eyes of the Lord. So I ask you the question, what do you see? What do you see today? What do you see today? Number two, one of the things you'll see, first one was awakening. Number two, you'll see much fruit coming forth. That's why in Matthew 7, verse 19, it says this. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and it's thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. What does that mean? Okay. If I'm dealing with Drug addictions. I have no business going over there telling people that are addicted to drug. To You're going to know me by my fruit. And my fruit is going to come from the things that I fill myself up with. And what I fill myself up with is what I see. Amen? That's why it says that we would know them by their fruits. Galatians 5.18 says this. And I'm going to read this out of the Passion because I love the way it reads in the Passion. But Galatians 5, <clears throat> verse 18, because here it breaks it down in the fruits of the Spirit, and we're all very familiar with this passage. We know it really well. It gives us a breakdown on what the fruit of the Spirit looks like and what the fruits of the enemy looks like, right? It says this, verse 18, but, we, but when we are, Brought into the full freedom of the spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but you will be soaring above it. The cravings of the self-life are obvious. See, now this, see, the, the word, Paul gives us a, a description of what it looks like when we function outside of the fruits of the spirit. This is the enemy. Sexual immorality. Lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, and only thinking of yourself. Being loved with your own opinions. Being envious of the blessings of others. Murder, uncontrollable addictions, wild parties, and other similar behavior. And then he goes on to say, Haven't I already warned you against those who use their freedoms for these things? Will not inherit the realm of God. It's pretty cut and dry. But then he says this, but the fruits of the Spirit, 
Now, this is what we fill ourselves with. But the fruit of the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit within you, is divine love and all its varied expressions. Come on, listen to this. Joy that overflows. Peace that subdues. Patience that endures. Kindness in action. A life full of virtue. Faith that prevails. Gentleness of heart. And never set the law above those qualities. For, they're, for they are meant to be limitless. Keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced the crucifixion. For everything connected with ourself, life was put to death on the cross and crucified with the Messiah. We must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him. So we may never be arrogant or look down on one another for each of us is an original, and we must forsake all jealousy that diminishes the value of others. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And as I read that, I want you to self-evaluate your own lives this morning. Do you have joy that overflows this morning? Is your peace that subdues? Is your patient enduring? Is your life full of virtue? Do you have faith that prevails? Because see, this is what we fill ourselves up with. This is what we should see. As believers, as sons and daughters, this is what should be overflowing and coming out of us. And I know it's difficult. Well, brother, you know that's in a perfect world. And I get it. I get it. I can probably say, I, 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 every day, Lord, help me in this. Help me in that. Help me in this. Being transparent. We need, we need to. But that's why it says that we need to pray. We need to seek His face. That's how you get to endure. Number three. So number two was awakening. Number two was the fruit that exhibits. Number three, when you begin to fill yourself, you will see his favor and his presence. His favor and his presence. Isaiah 51.11 says this. <clears throat> Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in a drought, and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden, come on, and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. You know, have you ever drunk water from a spring water? Have you ever drunk spring water like directly from the spring? Isn't it amazing? There's something about the spring water that you... You just And it's cold, it's refreshing. You can just put your hand to drink. That's what the Lord's saying. When I fill you, you become the spring of water. You become life to others. You begin to give a drink to people that are thirsty. 
When you get filled, you see. Ah, come on. Ephesians 1.11, this is a really dear scripture to me because this is the scripture that the Lord gave me for my father. But it's 111 Ephesians, and it says this, and I'm reading out of the, the New King James. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being presidented, predestined, I'm sorry, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. And the passion, it reads this, through our union with Christ, being one with Christ. Come on, I love that. I love that. Romans 5, verse 8. If you want to turn there really quick. Thank you, Lord. Holy Ghost. You guys okay? <clears throat> amen, amen. I'm going to read out of the King James, and then I'm going to read out of the Passion, because I just love the translation as well. But Romans 5, verse 11, it says, But God <clears throat> demonstrates his own love towards us, and while... In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if we were enemies, we were, re we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Not only that, but that we would also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have been now received from re reconciliation. So now this is what I'm, I'm going to read the same thing, but I'm gonna, out of the passion. It says this, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us. Isn't that good? So he, he, he proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. And there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we heard a powerful declaration. You are now righteous in my sight. What does he see? He says, you are now righteous in my sight. Because see, when we're filled with the Lord, when he begins to fill us, we begin to see. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. Now that we are at peace with God and because we share the resurrection life, how much more will we be rescued from sin's dominion. And even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy and the new relationship of living in harmony with God because of Jesus Christ. Come on, man. So I'm going to ask you this. 
The next, I guess I'm going to have to stay back. The next thing, so we've got awakening. We have, oh man, I got them all here. Sorry about that. We got fruit, awakening. We got favor. Now the next thing is this. How do we see it? That we walk in the fullness of, Living a life pure and holy. No longer walking in self. This is the big one for us all. <clears throat> and I know you, we hear words like in the Bible and like the word holiness. And I'm going to say something that might, might uh, stretch your theology or the way your belief system is. And I'm going to ask you this question. What is holiness? You might say, well, holy, I mean, God, it's only God Almighty. You know, I could never be, right? I mean, he's the alpha, the omega. He's the beginning, the end. He's, the, he's omni. He's everything. He's all these things. How can you ask somebody to be holy as God? What is holiness? Ephesians 4. And, I, and I'm going to give you scripture because I want you to get this. I'm not telling you that. This is, what the, this is what the Word says. If you have a problem with this, then you take it to the Word. Ephesians 4, verse 21 through 24 says this. If indeed you have heard Him and you have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, being renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, righteousness, the scripture tells us this. Righteousness and holiness, they're two separate things. They are. Hmm. Righteousness is what happens to you when you give your life to the Lord and you're born again. The righteousness of heaven is imputed into you and I at that moment when we say, God, I surrender my life to you. I give you my all. It says in that moment, it says all of heaven's righteousness is imputed into you and I. <clears throat> you were made in right standing. He provided the right standing with God for you and I at the cross. That's the truth. We have to understand that. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 through 21 says this. Now then, come on, and I love this. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As through God, we're pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he hath made him to know of no sin to be sin for us 
that we, listen, you and I, all of us in this room, that we would be made right in God. That we would become the righteousness of Papa. See, holiness is different than righteousness because the holiness is this. It's a decision that you get to live in. It's your own will to live in a life of, of being holy, to be consecrated to the Lord. Just like when somebody gets their, their license to drive, they can drive, but if they never get in the car, the license is no good. I hope that makes sense. You see, holiness is when you get to, is you choose to do with your life. It's our conduct. Living according to God's commandment. Holiness is doing the things that please God. Things that please God. That's holiness. It's what you do with your time and your actions. It's living to do nothing but to please God. It's, it's the fruit. Holiness means this. It means separation to God. Conduct befitting those so separated. To separate means to be set apart, to disunite, to divide, to sever, to disconnect, to be a part of a company. Wow. To go into a different direction. While everybody's doing church, trying to get out by 30 minutes, they're so worried about what's happening after service. And they just want to have a timeline. Oh, I don't go to that church over there down the street because they go longer than an hour. My church does two songs and we're gone. That's not holiness. That's church. That's religion. Come on, we... You see... We don't live a holy life for God to love us. He already loves you. He already loves you. You don't have to do more. Some people really believe that the more you pray, oh, Jesus, please, 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 say he's going to give you more. That's not even biblical. It's not. You don't have to live holy to get saved or to get a God, to get God to move in your life. You live holy because you are in love with the Heavenly Father. That's the truth. You do it because you're so in love with God. 
So I ask you, how can we live a holy life? (laughs) When you disconnect from the world, you flee from the temptation, and you obey God's word. You will live a life that is pleasing to the Lord, and you will be holy. Can we stand this morning? I didn't know what uh, Pete was going to be sharing this morning, but the Lord just kept telling me this scripture in James 4, 7. And this speaks volumes to this generation right now. Is submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Sometimes we don't want to submit ourselves under the covering of the Lord. Submitting is to be in the will of another person. It means to be in his will when you submit yourself unto him. And then what happens next? Resist the devil, right? Oppose the devil. Don't agree with the devil. Don't agree with the lies. Don't agree with the voices that come in your head. And then the next step is he will flee from you. He has no choice but to leave. He can't stay there with his lies and his deception. Why? Because you've submitted yourself under God in his will, doing what he's asked you to do, being obedient to whatever he asks of you. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and we were talking about gifts and anointings. And I said, I told them, I said, you know, Gifts and anointings is not what sustains you. Gifts and anointings is something extra that comes in the kingdom of God, but that's not what grounds you. That's not your foundation of who you are. Your foundation and who you are is submitting yourself unto God. And then he showers you with all the other blessings because you come under him. But some of us have become so prideful that we don't know how to submit. Sometimes we have to submit before we even lead. We have to. Submitting is key this season for us. Submitting under the Lord. Submitting into doing whatever he's asking us to doing and trusting in him that he's going to lead you to the waters like Pete was talking about, that springs of waters. Because what does he lead you to? says it to the pastors, right? To the, to the peace. He leads you to those things under submitting under him. It's not about submitting to man. It's not about submitting to any one expectation of a person. It's submitting under him. Then the kingdom becomes one with you. Father. Lord, we just ask you, God, to give us eyes to see, God. Lord, that when you begin to fill us, Lord, even as you fill us this this morning, God, that we will begin to see what you see, God. Mm. Father, we thank you for the seasons, God. We thank you for the seasons of shifting and the shaking, God. We thank you for every person, God, that's in here this morning, God. Mm-hmm.